1: gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels. Only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up.
0: Hello, geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, cycles, mashes up, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite film, TV, book properties. And tonight we've got a film that I want to disclaimer right out the gate that we are not saying this should ever be rebooted, remade, or reimagined. Damn right. This is a f- legendary film. Uh, a lot of people, it's their favorite film of all time. For most people that I know, at least, it's in their top three of favorite Westerns ever. Absolutely. And uh, so just our disclaimer at the beginning is this is just simply a, uh, a brain exercise on what it would look like if somebody decided to reboot or remake or reimagine
2: this film. We are not endorsing that whatsoever. Right. This is hallowed ground we are treading on.
0: There's a certain discomfort that comes from episodes like this where we uh, <laughs> talk about films or TV shows that should just be left well enough alone. They, they're perfect in the way they are. Yes. But... Part of the fun of that, though, is to see (laughs) just what it might look like otherwise.
2: Right. I mean, that's what we do with Taxi Driver, which you should never fuck with also. No, never. And (laughs) that is
0: the same exact way that we feel about the 1993 Western classic, not even cult classic, full on amazing classic, Tombstone. Yes. If you are unfamiliar with Tombstone, why? (laughs) It's been around since 1993. It is beloved and has some of the most brilliant performances that the actors involved have ever delivered, especially one doc holiday played by Val Kilmer.
2: It's my personal favorite
0: role that he's ever done.
2: Yes. This is my favorite American Western ever. Yeah. And for good reason. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, legit, stop the episode, watch the movie and then, then listen. Definitely. And I'm sure you can find it pretty easily on streaming
0: sites. If, uh, If you don't have it, a friend probably does. It's It's, one of those movies.
2: It's probably, it's been around so long, it's probably in like the bargain bin at Walmart. Yeah. You know what I mean? On DVD or something. You you can find this movie.
0: Or I was running into, uh, Amy and I were looking to watch Twister the other night. Yeah. Just had a weird want to watch Twister. Fun movie. Was not on any streaming sites. Really? And so we looked around and it was available on Amazon and stuff, but we wanted it that day. Found it at Second and Charles for like five bucks, and I'm sure there's a million copies of Tombstone at Second and Charles. If you have one near you, or absolutely. Any, any used movie store is going to have a copy of Tombstone,
2: absolutely, for
0: cheap. So go get it. Yes, definitely, and and you will rewatch it. Most likely, it's just one of those movies. So here to help me wax poetic, my <laughs> Huckleberry on this uh, on this episode <laughs> about Tombstone is the showrunner for Beautiful Disasters. A regular on the Geeks on the Influence podcast, and uh, my guest tonight, Herr Grutz. Glad to be here, man. Absolutely. This is talk- going to be fun. We have talked so much just in our friendship about this movie. We've watched it together. We've oh, yeah. Talked endlessly
2: about this movie. We can quote most of this movie. <laughs> yeah, we can. Between the two of us, we could probably quote 50% of the dialogue.
0: Yeah, I think, and that's not
2: even really exaggerating. I think we no. very much could. Not a bit. Like, all the characters have iconic lines.
0: And all of them. There are those classic scenes, too, where it's like three or four minutes of dialogue that I could probably nail down the entire scene.
2: Yeah. No, easily.
0: Easily. When when uh, Wyatt and Doc see the, each other for the first time in Tombstone, oh, that yeah. whole scene is brilliant. And you've got uh, Billy Bob Thornton showing up ready for revenge and then realizes who everybody is and is just, like, shooed away. You may go now.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot you were there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You may go <laughs> leave the shotgun. Even like the saddest scenes, like the whole s- sequence between Bill Paxton's character, Morgan, when he's dying. Oh, my God. I know all of it. And, and now that Bill Paxton has sadly passed away, it- it's so much heavier now.
0: Oh, when he was like, you know what they say about seeing a light when you die? It ain't
2: true. It ain't true. I don't see shit. I'm just... <laughs> oh, dude. I'm... Yeah, that gets oh. me. Now it's, it's even more of like a emotional moment. It really is.
0: And everybody in this movie is delivering 100% in their roles and chewing yes. every bit of scenery there is.
2: Yeah, but it's fine. It's absolutely fine. It's a Western.
0: That's kind of the whole point is it's right. supposed to be this over the top, bigger than life kind of thing. And that's exactly what Tombstone in is. It doesn't try to bring in realism. Or, uh, now the funny thing about that though is that the storyline in Tombstone, though not 100% accurate, is way more accurate than uh, a lot of other Westerns are with from their source material. A lot of this happened the way that they're showing it. Right. An example is the, uh, river scene where Wyatt goes out into the water and is shooting and going, No, that's recounted as having happened exactly that way, beat for beat. Right. That happened.
2: <laughs> now, you know, obviously, like, people recounting stories, sure, it might yeah. be a little, you know, dramatic, but it's still iconic. Yeah. And if that's how they said it happened, fuck yeah, dude, put it in the movie, because well, it was awesome.
0: And also, there's no one giving a different version of it. You know, this is the version, you know, that's all history is, is just the version that is left. you know. Right. After something happened, so... That's it's now history that that's how things went down. The gunfight at the OK Corral. I've seen documentaries about how that went down. And there are some arguments as to whether or not it was more of a turkey shoot situation or uh, if it was an actual like showdown. Right. So that's all up for debate. But Tombstone really did a good job of looking at all the material and trying to be as accurate as they can while still delivering cinema. You know, yeah. you got to you got to do some twists and turns there.
2: Famously like uh I've read that the actual director, who I forget his name, uh Kosmatos, I think. Something. Uh, actually yeah, I think it was uh Panos Cosmatos' yes. father who directed it and he he wrote the script
0: for Glory, I believe. Yeah. And this was supposed to be his directorial debut as
2: Tombstone, I think. And he was having problems and Kurt Russell actually took up the reins. Mm-hmm. And did a lot of help. He was basically an AD, if not more of a director. Well, that didn't come out
0: until 2015 because I was actually looking into that before recording. Yeah. The basic gist is he was having trouble. They had just shot Charlton Heston scenes and that was it. And they were already over on the, on the number of days Whoops. on the shoot. And he was <laughs> struggling. And Kurt Russell's like, let's get a second unit. I'll take care of a lot of the shots and everything. You have the credit. For directing, yep, and uh, I will keep this under my hat. Uh, as as long as you're alive, that's just gonna be credit to you. And 2015, it was like 13 years after the director died, right. is when he came out on some Western page because Kurt Russell's actually deeply involved in like Western reenactment communities and stuff. Like he he lives this shit.
2: Yeah, hell yeah.
0: And uh, yeah, he he opened wide up open about it that yeah he was really responsible for a lot of the directing in this film, and then Val Kilmer on a separate interview, backed up his claim. Yeah. And said that this film is entirely uh, because of Kurt Russell, the way that it is. So,
2: And I'm fine with it. Yeah. Like, Kurt Russell was never a dick about it. No, no. He actually was really cool cucumber
0: about it that he waited 13 years after the the director died before kind of opening up about it.
2: It's surprising to see humility like that out of someone (laughs)
0: in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, Kurt Russell's never really been a Hollywood guy. Right. So much. But, uh, so yeah, this is a film that we're going to have some struggles trying to figure out exactly how to do this. Um, basically we'll go over kind of our overview, what we would change about the original plot. We both have, uh, two versions. Yes. Both of us have a version we think might be the best way to go for a reboot, remake, reimagining. And then we have just kind of a, a remix version or a version that we think would be kind of just a fun mental exercise. What would it look like if this was directed by this person or this cast of characters, this tone? And, uh, so, for the plot overview, are you kind of sticking primarily to the to the script, or are you adding any tonally different changes to it or
2: um not super uh not as far as the actual plot line. The plot line in both my versions is pretty much the same um you know, my kind of serious take is going to be like a remake remake style of a western, okay, however. Uh, my other take is a reimagining, yeah, um, which will take it out of that era into a different era. Oh, but okay. But both both ways, you know, I have the same kind of cast of characters in the sense that, you know, we have this, you know, lawman who has retired. His family comes in, comes into a new place, has struggles. There are villains, etc. But uh, both are kind of holding to the Tombstone storyline. Okay. Yeah.
0: I'm uh, sticking relatively close to the script myself as well. Tonally, there's a slight shift for my uh, serious version, for the, for the remix version, very extreme shift in the the tone. Uh, But (laughs) the serious version, the version I think could work best. Yeah. I really wanted to kind of incorporate the fact that Wyatt and company weren't, the Captain Americas of their time. They weren't these like you know <laughs> these good moral men that like stood by. Why had been arrested before? He um he had he met Doc on the gambling circuit. He was a professional gambler at times. Nice. Uh, he was caught like uh, cattle rustling and and or like cattle theft or horse theft or something that he was in jail for before this. I mean he was on both sides of the law at different points in his life, and they came to Tombstone in in the actual. Reality to start building carriages and they just didn't have enough connections to really get it going so we fell back on what he was used to which is being an enforcer being you know being involved in like casinos and Gambling and right 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 and uh, they weren't exactly the Situation that happened at the uh, what was it, the the Chinaman I think or what was the name of this? Sh- the, the, sp- the Oriental the Oriental sorry yeah,
2: the, <laughs> It's I, not the preferred nomenclature, Yeah,
0: but it's better than Chinaman <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> The Oriental um, that happened almost beat for beat, according to recounts, that he straight up like grabbed the dude by his ear and shucked him out the door. <laughs> so,
2: he, Oh, Billy Bob. Yeah. Billy. Oh, Billy In Bob. In the original. Yes. One of his early, earliest roles. Yeah, I think. absolutely. Yeah. To
0: the point when I was showing the film to Amy, she was like, that's not Billy Bob until we looked it up. And then she was like, okay, no. Oh, I see it now because he's so young.
2: He, he was young. Grizzled, he was a little bit. He was a little bit bigger too. Pudgier, yeah. Yeah. He didn't. He, he lost a lot of weight. Later in his career, but yeah, but
0: so I definitely wanted it to be the tone of it is the, the Earp family coming in is that they're the issue with the Cowboys isn't so much is that they're breaking the law and we are former lawmen. So we have to uphold the law. It's more control of the town is kind of like, who's, who's the person making the money off these plebs in the town It's nice. more of the tone with them having a moral high ground to a degree over the Cowboys, but not to a point where it's just this black and white that's done in the original Tombstone. I want a little bit more gray area. No,
2: I feel you. Okay.
0: And uh, additionally, I want to downplay the romance a bit. I feel like that there were parts that made that a little bit clunky. Like, it felt like the movie was lying to me a little bit about how, like, he was not cheating on his wife. There was just this, like, unspoken attraction, and she was on opium, so it's fine. And, you know, it just seemed kind of <laughs> glazing over the whole thing. Right. Um, there's gonna be notes of that because that this is stuff that happened to a degree, and but I want that to be kind of downplayed. That's not nearly as important to the storyline. So okay. And uh, but besides that, it's it's pretty much the beats of the story. Because yep, a lot okay. of that is how it went down. Maybe not in the exact order that it went down, but yeah. Like, OK Corral, um, or when Curly was uh, arrested for shooting at the moon and and killing the sheriff. <laughs> they were already. Uh, deputized at that point
2: right so
0: this that wasn't the thing that brought them into being deputized it's little things like that right but i'm not as concerned about that as far as just more kind of nailing down this gray area tone to my version okay i like it so with uh with our plots involved or figured out we're going into who exactly we're going to get to direct our uh our yes. remake or uh, reboot um i guess remake for me and uh Who's your director for your serious version?
2: So for my serious remake, uh, I went with Ben Wheatley, uh, who has directed, uh, free fire. Okay. High rise. Yeah. A field in England, which was fucking bananas. Awesome. And a movie called kill list. Um, he is, uh, from Britain and he's one of the auteurs right now. Definitely to be watching. Okay. um, High Rise, one of my favorite movies that came out in the last five years. Um, Free Fire was fun. It was just a fun, like, sort of. That's one where it's
0: basically a gunfight inside a warehouse with lots of guns.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, okay. It's like an like illegal gun buy goes wrong, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, but he has a great eye for cinema, cinematography, and, uh, you know, his his movies are are beautifully, like, scripted. He's very involved. I think he's an excellent director. Excellent. So you're definitely going
0: more of an artistic approach to this uh, version of Tombstone.
2: Both of my versions have kind of uh, newer auteur directors. A a stylized approach. Yeah. But uh, I think he would bring a a great um, sort of essence to a remake Western-style version of this movie. Okay. You know?
0: And the Western-style, like, That's really what I was bandying about with the director for my version is I wanted it to be something that felt gritty, you know, somebody that could really, you could get the like texture of the film when watching it. And, uh, the first person I thought of though, I've used him recently, but it just wasn't quite the right tone was John Hillcoat who did proposition and lawless and, you know, the road. And, but it was just a little bit too dismal of the approach. I I want this to be more fun. I mean, I, I want it to hit those dark notes for sure. But I I want it to also be fun. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Yeah, no, no. You know, John Hillcoat's version of Tombstone would end up like Unforgiven.
0: Yeah, exactly. It would
2: just be super sad and just like, you would just die inside.
0: So I started looking (laughs) around at directors that had done Westerns before or stuff that isn't a Western necessarily but has kind of that note. And then it clicked. There's a director that has worked in the superhero world but has also directed a western as well. One of the best remakes of a western that I've seen. Directed the remake of Three Ten to Yuma, oh. and then went on to direct The Wolverine, Logan, Walk the Line, and most recently Ford versus Ferrari. Oh. James Mangold. Yeah, dude. No, he's he's got the uh, the list of movies that really proves that he'd be able to do something with it. The, Logan was soulful, had so much like heart behind it, and it was gritty, and it was. If it wasn't a western it felt like one almost.
2: I loved Logan. Yeah. Like it and it made my wife cry and she does not really get into comic book movies. Yeah. At all. But like old grizzled like you know Wolverine Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, Patrick Stewart like uh, Xavier losing his mind. Oh man. Like you know, dementia. Oh, dude, she was totally into it.
0: When with that, you have let's say the stronger character that is taking care of the like, formerly incredibly powerful character that's dying, like Doc Holliday. Yeah. You know, you got, um, and then three ten to Yuma, incredibly fun western. Yeah, has some real stakes to it. There's there's tension. There's excitement. There's good action sequences that are shot well.
2: That story was written by Elmore Leonard.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's great. And then you've got, of course, walk the line where you've got it's basically just dialogue driven and just and actor driven in that yep. movie. Then Ford versus Ferrari, kind of the same deal. The Wolverine is straight up a samurai film. So this dude has the, the balls to do this film as best as one possibly could. I agree. Yeah.
2: I agree. That's a good choice. So uh so
0: those are our directors going in. Um now the I wanna go with some of the side characters first before we get into the uh the Earps and the Clayton clan a little yeah. bit. So there's Ike, uh, or Ike, uh, was it Clayton or Clanton?
2: Ike Clanton, I think. Clanton, okay.
0: Ike Clanton, who was uh, played by the main villain in Don't Breathe. <laughs> he, he was also-
2: Oh my God, it was. It's the same actor. Holy shit. Yes. I totally didn't I didn't until I was putting this together. Connection. Yeah, and that
0: he plays a badass in just about all of his roles, and as Ike, he's this like- like, sniveling, like, shitty dude that when the real shit goes down, he
2: hides. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's he he talks big when he has backup. Yeah. And as soon as not, I don't have a gun! Throws away his fucking red sash later. It's like, dude, you are such a bitch. Yep. So that's a really fun character
0: to cast. I don't know if you got him on your list or not.
2: I didn't. Okay,
0: because there's so many characters, I had to drop a lot of people that I wanted to cast. I had to hit the main ones, but... Ike and mine, it's such a fun character to play with. It's like the the comedic relief, the R2D2C3PO character of Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, yeah, yeah. So I wanted I to you. definitely have him in. And uh, I wanted to go with an actor that was familiar with the director, um, but also could definitely play a Western character. He was in 310 Yuma, he was an Alpha Dog. He was the messenger guy in 30 Days of Night, uh, okay. Ben Foster. Oh, he's good. He's a very good actor. And he's like young enough that you can kind of play the whole like younger, sniveling, you know, getting back up by the real
2: yeah. cowboys kind of role. He's intense too. And I wanted that intense too. Yeah. he, he He's an intense actor. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I, I like him. Yeah, ben Foster's and, awesome. And I
0: haven't seen him in enough lately. And I think this is a really good role for him. I yeah, think yeah, it would be a lot of fun sure. to see what yeah. he could do with
2: the part. So, uh, some of the smaller characters, I was casting the two brothers of Wyatt Earp. Sure. The other two Earps. I did do Josephine Marcus, who was the love interest.
0: I was debating about that, and I did not.
2: That was so. the one I did. Uh, outside of that, everyone's major. You know, yep. I, have, okay. you know I got Wyatt, Curly Bill, yep. Doc Holliday. Johnny Ringo. Johnny Ringo. Yep.
0: Okay, so mine is Ike, yours is Josephine. Yeah. So, who do you have for your Josephine?
2: All right, for Josephine in my actual western remake by ben wheatley i cast scarlett johansson okay who is awesome and she has been crushing it lately i mean she has a couple nominations right now going on i think so you know uh she's outstanding she is really coming to her own as an actress um she's done great things over the years i mean under the skin as an alien oh yeah holy fuck but she can bring the drama too. I have not seen Marriage Story yet, but I really want to. It's one of those, I really want to
0: see that movie, but it's apparently so heavy that I want to be in the right mood for it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Todd Salance movie or something. You know, it's yeah, like, right? it's just like so heavy. It's like, oh. But I cast her, you know, obviously we know everything she's ever been in. Yep. But she has that charisma that she could be in the sense of, tombstone like that dramatic person that came into the town to entertain uh, she can definitely like hold that and she's gorgeous yeah and she is definitely someone that would be fought over (laughs) you know fought over (laughs) capture someone's eye sure like whoa who's that 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 girl is amazing yeah my wife who is a opium addict (laughs) Maybe not so much, you know, doing it for me right now. Whoa. <laughs> but I, I just thought she was natural for that. She's definitely done like, you know, kind of cheesy movies here and there. But, I mean, she was in a Woody Allen flick. True. Wasn't that good. No, it, was it wasn't. Not. Wasn't one of the, uh, the better ones. But, uh, you know, yeah, she holds it down. Yeah. And she has a good range, which I really appreciate.
0: Speaking of range, um, every character that we're going to talk about from here on out needs to be done by an actor with range. I mean, these are- Oh, yeah. Incredibly, like, individual (laughs) characters,
2: you know, fully fleshed out. This is why casting this for this episode was so difficult. Yes. It really was. It was intensely difficult. It was. (laughs) I struggled.
0: (laughs) I definitely struggled. Um, Johnny Ringo is the first one that I want to go with here.
2: Okay, let's do it.
0: Intense, dark character. I want somebody that, you know, you could see the seething rage kind of building underneath yes. them. And uh, somebody that was able to really translate that relatively well in pretty much every role that he's ever done <laughs> and uh, has worked with uh, Mangold on Ford versus Ferrari as well as a, as a side character. as He played uh, one of the Ford execs, I believe, in uh, Ford for, Ferrari is uh, John Barenthal.
2: Oh as, yeah, That's Johnny Ringo. Oh he, yeah, he just he plays hothead so well. Oh no, he definitely could. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: yes, he is able to give that like heavy frontal brow, pro Magnum like burning rage eyeballing. Thing oh yeah, <laughs> really well.
2: <laughs> no, no, I agree.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
2: Uh, who do you got for your Ringo? Uh, My serious Ringo is Ryan Gosling.
0: Okay, I. I was trying to find a place for him in mind casting as well. <laughs> nice. Because he's, he's such a diverse actor. I he mean, really is. He can is. play all over the
2: place. And, you know, he has had a lot of roles recently that have been less wordy, you know, where he's more brooding and quiet, yeah. but um, he can bring the intensity so hardcore when one, he needs to. One that I
0: th- thought I was going to hate the movie, and it's mainly because just his look in the movie is terrible but A Place Beyond the Pines Mm. was a great film. I very much enjoyed it and he does play a much more intense character in that.
2: Absolutely. I mean, his character in Drive Mm -hmm. maybe had about as many lines as Kurt Russell in Soldier, you know? (laughs) Wow. He, He didn't have many lines, but when the intensity came out, it was hardcore. But we also know that he can bring it when he needs to. Yeah. And he can be verbose when he needs to. And... The notion, like, the early scene in Tombstone where Johnny Ringo, you know, uh, is talking about, uh, I, I guess, one of the Hispanic members of, of, of the Cowboys mistranslates into English some stuff from Spanish. And he's like, man. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah your Spanish is worse than your English, you know? <laughs> and And he goes straight into you know, revelations and he, Mm -hmm. he's an educated man. And that's, that's one of the things that he and uh, Doc Holliday get into. Yep. Oh, you're an educated man. They speak Latin. Now I know I hate him. Now I know I hate him. (laughs) And you know, someone that I think that could really do that. Yeah. Ryan Gosling. Okay. I I see that. I think they can, you know, that would be a really good interaction. He's a good enough actor.
0: I'm sure he's capable of it, but you don't see him as like a villain character very often. So, or if he plays a bad guy, quote unquote, he's a like lovable, bad guy or you understand
2: his Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like a yeah, in in and uh only god forgives or yeah. Yeah. And drive, you know, he's kind of like the anti-hero sort of sure. dude who's intense and also uh capable of great violence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. Okay. I I think he could do it. I dig that.
0: Next up, let's keep with the villains here. We've got uh Curly Bill Brosios, brosios, I'm just Curly Bill. Curly Bill. Yeah. Curly yeah. Bill. Brilliant original
2: portrayal oh powers booth powers booth knocked it out of the fucking park. i'm pretty sure that's why he got cast in deadwood yeah i
0: I love that there are uh two people that were (laughs) cast from tombstone into deadwood powers booth and then uh maddie the wife oh yeah yeah um ended up being in deadwood as well yes so um but yeah powers booth originally doing curly bill who do you have to play your curly bill uh i have walton goggins I I knew he was gonna show up on both of ours somewhere.
2: <laughs> there
0: was no doubt in my mind.
2: Yep. No, he is so over the top, so charismatic, and that's what the character what, how how he was portrayed in nineteen ninety three Tombstone. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of anybody better. Uh, you know, he did a great job in um, uh, uh what is it? Uh, Hateful Eight.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Hateful Eight. Like his role there, but everything he does. He is, he steals every scene. Yeah, he does. And he's so much fun, and that's how Curly Bill was per- portrayed by Powers Booth. You know, he was over the top, he was funny, he was sarcastic, he was everything. And Walton Goggins, he's got it.
0: I I knew for certain i would have put money on it that we would both have uh walton goggins somewhere on our casting list yeah if not on both versions <laughs> but yep uh walton goggins brilliant and pretty much you plug him in anywhere and he's gonna find a way to make it just a fantastic oh yeah portrayal so for curly bill i wanted somebody that seems kind of bigger than life that just oozes that that like i'm in charge kind of charisma but also has a little bit of like a wink at the same time. Like the big burly beast of a man that also kind of, you know, you is likable for being such a villainous character, which (laughs) it powers booth knocked out of the park. You, he was likable as this terrible fucking person. And a person that portrayed that very well in a, a number of his roles, like sons of anarchy as well as many others is uh, one Ron Perlman. Oh yeah. As curly bill. He could do it as just like an age, age, like slightly older version of the character, obviously, but just as this old cowboy that, you know, it, there are lines that allow you to play that character older. Like the, you know, I'm worried about this outfit. Once you take over, uh, Johnny, you know, when, yeah, yeah, because he's such a hothead, you know, that he's this, just, he's been running this show for a while. And, uh,
2: no, I feel you. Yeah. Ron Perlman, he could do it.
0: And he's a big imposing person. So that would be fun to play. Uh, play him in that role. Next up, don't we'll keep the brothers together. The next one is the, whew, the really tough call, the Doc Holiday. Whoa. this yeah, this was definitely one of the harder castings to do. It uh, was this and Wyatt. I'd say were the ones that I struggled with the most.
2: Uh, yeah, I struggled with those, and I also struggled with um, uh, Virgil, because, Virgil. god damn, fucking. Sam Elliott. Uh,
0: it's, it's Sam Elliott. You
2: can't. It's so hard to cast <laughs> anyone.
0: anyone besides him. He
2: is so iconic in everything he does. Like he's a meme everywhere on the internet because of it.
0: Have you seen the uh, the man who killed Hitler and then Sasquatch yet? Oh yeah. Uh, that movie hits so many different tones at different parts. There's one scene, and I know exactly. You'll know exactly what scene I'm talking about. That is borderline Oscar worthy. His delivery of it. Oh yeah. That he's telling a story about his time in the war. And it's like, it's intense and it's soulful. And like he is bringing every ounce of acting that he has to that scene. And then there's some wackadoo fucking like slapsticky shit in that movie too. Yes, there is. It's just wild.
2: I love that movie so much. It's so good. It's so good.
0: So definitely check out that movie or yeah. literally anything besides <laughs> Ghost Rider and uh, Jonah Hex. <laughs> and then you'll be good Right, to go. right.
2: But yeah, we're talking about Doc, right? Yep. You all day.
0: Do go for it.
2: Okay. I actually went with Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Okay. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, it, his range with Loki and the MCU, so fun. But he's a very talented actor. Also, uh, being that I chose Ben Wheatley as my director for this, his role in High Rise. Yeah. Was off the chain. Okay. Um, he can bring the drama, he can bring the funny, he he can be lighthearted, he can be sarcastic, he has such a range, he's a very talented actor, and I think he would do justice to the Doc Holliday role. Okay. He would play that a little darker too, I think, than he Filmer. Yeah. He definitely could, but also he can do an American accent. Yeah which is helpful. <laughs> you know, generally it doesn't go the other way around, you know. If like an American needed to do a British accent, tougher. Well, he played Hank Senior uh, in the biopic and though the
0: singing was not the best in that movie, uh his accent, his southern accent wasn't
2: wasn't too shabby. Yeah, I I'm I'm sure my wife would disagree, but <laughs> yes. you know, we haven't seen that yet. <laughs> okay, fair enough.
0: Uh for mine, Doc Holliday, you want somebody that has a kind of devil may care, nothing to lose attitude. Uh, somebody that is able to deliver these brilliant lines and do it with like a smirk on his face and totally just bought into this role, you know, yeah. that, that is straight facing or just like daring death to try to step to him this entire movie. And this is where I put Walton Goggins is, hey. uh, as doc Holliday. I feel you. he, he, he that's, he, he could, could do, do it. a number of these different roles in this film.
2: No, he could definitely do Doc yeah. Holliday. He would go so over the top, and it would be so... I would just gush at every scene. So much fun to watch him yeah. do
0: his thing as Doc Holiday. Yes. So, yeah, yes. I, I think um, that that's where I decided to put him. We've already talked about Walton Goggins, so we don't have to get too much deeper into that. He's able to be slimy and uh, and shitty, but also it's very... Very charismatic at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is what you need for a Doc Holiday character. Somebody that is just kind of a piece of shit, but so lovable that he gets away with it.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But still has style and class somehow at the same time. Yeah. It's weird.
0: I'm just thinking of his scene where he's been playing poker for like three days straight, and he's got his like buxom bride that's like just plying him with booze and- uh just seeing Walton Goggins with like a strand of hair hung over his face and just kind of like leaning forward and kind of wobbling back and forth, just like well beyond where he should be up (laughs) (laughs) and just doing his thing as Walton Goggins. And it would be brilliant. Absolutely Absolutely. brilliant. He would bring every note of like humor to
2: that scene. Playing the piano. Yeah. Frederick fucking Fucking. Chopin (laughs) in that Tennessee accent. <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah, Doc Holliday. Oh, funny note that I learned today about uh, Val Kilmer and Batman and Doc Holliday and the weird connection they have to, to each other. Huh. The day that Val Kilmer was born, um, the original uh, Batman uh, or not the original Batman, but Adam West played Doc Holliday in three separate Western series like they they all aired him playing Doc Holliday in three separate western series the day that Val Kilmer was born holy shit and yeah and then uh of course Adam West went on to play the Batman which also Val Kilmer went on to play so weird yeah just a weird little connection thing that is kind of fun
2: what the fuck
0: yeah yeah <laughs> all right we're getting into the brothers now so yes. first up is Morgan yes played by the uh late great Bill Paxton Yes. Well, I got to enjoy thoroughly watching Twister recently uh, for the first time in a while. Amazing. Such a fun movie. And, Absolutely. And Bill Paxson is so lovable. Oh, yeah. All yeah. of his roles. hes He can play this jackass like in Weird Science and he's still kind of lovable or just like the guy that's complaining all the time like in Aliens.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or he can play like a bloodthirsty vampire in Near Dark. Yes, true. Which is my favorite vampire movie. Fuck yes! <laughs> no, he's amazing. Rest rest in peace. Yes. Uh, so, uh, who did I have? Yeah, uh, I had Robert Pattinson. Okay, and I'm turning around a little bit on
0: Robert Pattinson. Some of his recent deliveries. I've not seen the Lighthouse yet, but I've heard he brings it hard in that role. He brings it hard. Yeah. I have in, in the Rover was fantastic. He was he, great in that. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. No, he has been killing it last five years. He's been delivering nothing but great freaking roles. Uh, the movie that was, I think, nominated some stuff last year. Uh, what was the name? Good Times, maybe? Where, anyway, he's in it. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, he's been doing great things. And he really has upped his game from being, you know, sort of like the sparkly vampire dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have no complaints about where he's been going. Nice. Same thing with Shia LaBeouf. You know, dude's been killing it. Yep. Whatever. And,
0: I'm good. And outside of his private life stuff, Shia. You know, yeah, he yeah. he's a good actor. He's no, a very good yeah, actor.
2: He's killing it. Yeah. So yeah, all the way. Robert Pattinson. All right.
0: Um, I went for Morgan Earp. I wanted somebody that was like lovable and a little bit goofy, kind of bringing that Bill Paxton energy, uh, but also could be a badass when necessary. And he's worked with James Mangold on Walk the Line. I think he'd be a great choice for Morgan as Joaquin Phoenix. Sure.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: The only thing that I was thinking with Joaquin, because he's such a brilliant actor, that there aren't a lot of lines for Morgan.
2: No, but they're... They're important. They're important. And, you know, the only thing I I would say is that, you know, the rest of the brothers would have to be older. Because Joaquin, one of my favorite actors working right now, but he is now getting up in his. He
0: is, and that's something 40. I
2: considered. Um, yeah,
0: that the age between Morgan and Wyatt are going to be are going to be a little close. Yeah, uh, okay. I think actually the actor that plays Wyatt is younger, but could they could play? You know, Joaquin can play a little younger, and and this other actor could play a little older. That's
2: movie magic, baby. Yep.
0: But yeah, I definitely considered that when it came to Virgil as well.
2: No, no. Absolutely. Uh, the drama, especially of the, like the death scene, he would kill it. Oh. absolutely. <laughs> Joaquin would kill it. He would kill it. Yes. So then we've got Virgil.
0: Yes. Played by the legendary yes. Sam Elliott originally.
2: This was probably the toughest thing to cast. This was tough. It, it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I cast uh, John Hawks who um we all know from Deadwood, we all know from um Winter's Bone. He was the friend of the main sheriff uh character in Deadwood. Okay. John Hawks, excellent actor. Um he is still kind of relegated to the indie kind of movie scene. Yeah. But he brings such amazing resonance and drama to his roles. Sure. And he's not a tall dude. He's not, He doesn't have the stature of of uh, Sam Elliott. Sure. But I can see him with a mustache. I can see him delivering the scenes with the intensity needed. That's why I chose him. Okay. I can't say if my choice... Was, I think it's a, a decent choice, mm-hmm. the choice I
0: made. But again, this is one of those that, when you're comparing it to Sam Elliott in a Western, I mean, this is like... You know, choosing n- not a fish to play a fish. You know, like yeah. Samuel Litt is a fish to water in Westerns. And yeah, finding anybody that has that level of like perfect fit is. Well,
2: yeah, he's been in a million. Yeah. And it just, he
0: is that guy, you know? Yeah. And uh, so that was really difficult. But I went with an actor that has a lot of experience with James Mangold so that they'd be able to really work on the nuances of that character together to really nail it down as best as possible. And a great actor in his own right. Has a relatively like intimidating stature about himself, and and a decent actor, uh, Hugh Jackman, as oh, Virgil. Okay, and yeah. he's he's getting up there in age to a point where he could definitely play the older brother. You know, yep. he's he's in his I think fifties now. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, he could definitely be the old old buzzard brother that uh, that is <laughs> getting too old for this shit. Yeah, the Murtaugh the of the family. I'm interested to see him play. The amount of nuance that would be necessary for that character because Virgil's not a talker. He, but there's so much that's done with just body language and movement in that role.
2: No, they definitely utilize Sam Elliott perfectly yeah. in Tombstone, which is uh, amazing because that's everything he needs to be. Yep. Like he can communicate so much with just a look or a, or a, Ugh, or uh, you know, just a a grunt, whatever it might be, or a a teeth suck. I've I've
0: had I've seen him deliver like just probably three paragraphs of language by sucking his
2: teeth. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's just he is that guy. So yeah, I think Hugh Jackman, yeah, he's up to it. Yeah, yeah. Then we've got the
0: main character, the Wyatt Earp, Mm -hmm. originally played by Kurt Russell. Mm -hmm. That just Killed the shit out of that role. Oh my God, yes. So much fun. It it reminded me why I was such a big Kurt Russell fan when I rewatched it recently because it's just, he
2: looks like he's having fun in the role. He looks like he's having fun, but it, it it's not to the point that it takes you out of the movie. No, not at all. No. No. Because even when he is happy or he is super distraught, you are in it. Yeah. You are so in it. I love yeah Kurt Russell I would love to meet him at a con oh and he'll man. never be there no because and I'm so want to deal with it probably yeah but. no he's doing his
0: reenacting or whatever the yeah fuck. so uh for Wyatt Earp who is your actor to play Wyatt Earp
2: uh I actually picked Brad Pitt Brad Pitt okay for my series that's somebody yes. I was thinking
0: of a little bit I mean incredible actor Absolutely. Whether you're a fan of his or not, like he does bring the acting chops.
2: And he can, and he can do comedy, he can do everything, but his recent turn in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really, really informed the fact that he can play just a serious, hardcore motherfucker Yep. that has loyalty, that has all the things you need to be Wyatt Earp. And... That was my first choice and it was okay. my only choice. I was like, Yep. He can do it. Uh, this is just so impossible,
0: some of these castings. Um yeah. this is one of those is why it is just such you know, he's the main he's the main character in this film, and there's so much Kurt Russell in that role that it's yeah. hard to really figure out how to do it because you don't want to just have somebody doing Kurt Russell in the role. No, obviously. Because that's gross. But also like you want somebody that's gonna be able to see what was done with the role before and take parts of that and make it their own. So a really, really good actor that has their own tone. As Kurt Russell is, there's a little bit of Kurt Russell in every character that he portrays. Yeah, You want somebody that has a little bit of that as well. And this is actually an actor that was left over for when, when I was considering John Hillcote as the director for this. And he's a brilliant actor. Uh, he can play kind of a so- soft-spoken type character or bigger than life. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of his and I would love to see what Tom Hardy would do as Whiter in that role and then you would also get like all the women coming out to see the movie (laughs) because Tom Hardy that's true
2: yeah Yeah, no it's it's very true yeah I mean all the women would come for Brad Pitt too true that's true Yeah, but no Tom Hardy he could handle it yeah he could just seeing anything from I just recently
0: rewatched Lawless oh and uh, so good it's so good and, yeah. and it just sucks you in. You become part of the movie while you're watching it. You know, mm-hmm. it just, you can't play on your phone or anything because it just, it fully takes every ounce of your attention when you're watching it. No,
2: oh, yeah, it, it it transports you to another time, another place. And there's this
0: one scene specifically that it's got Guy Pearce as the slimy, like, enforcer dude. Yeah. And they're eyeballing each other and he's like, are oh, you trying to draw me, cowboy? And it's got Tom Hardy staring him down and he's just, seeing through this dude. And it's this incredibly tense scene. And then he just does kind of like a sigh and then just walks away. And it doesn't come off as him walking away from a fight. It comes off of him being done with the situation. Like he does, he walks away from a fight (laughs) having won it just by walking away from it. It's this beautiful moment that's so nuanced. It's so Mm -hmm. perfect. And I want to be able to see him use that kind of acting talents in this role. Like to see what he would do with Wyatt it is a little bit more open and spoken person that, than he was in uh, Lawless, than Tom Hardy was in Lawless.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I think that's great.
0: We are back for 2020's GalaxyCon happening February 28th through March 1st in the Richmond Convention Center, and uh, we've got six panels for you this time. We had five last time, we've got six for you this time, five live recorded podcasts, and a... Adventures in Podcasting panel as well. The schedule goes February 28th at from 5 to 5.50, we've got the Geeks Under the Influence panel. 6 to 7 on Friday is Smack My Pitch Up. Saturday from 4 to 4.50 is Geek Father. And uh, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. is Beautiful Disasters. That's going to be both showing a main feature film and then discussing it afterwards. They're going to be showing Space Truckers and then uh, showing both Space Truckers segments while talking about it and also segments of other films featuring celebrities that are at GalaxyCon. Con. Then Sunday from 4 to 4.50 is Adventures in Podcasting, where you can hear stories about our times uh, it, with Geeks Under the Influence doing podcasting, stories from other conventions, stories from recording, and insights, information, uh, helpful clues if, if you are interested in getting into podcasting yourself. Then one of our newest shows, 5.45 to 6.45, is From the Mouths of Madness with my co-host from GUI, Lowdown Brown, and Fuck You, Hunter, as they discuss the favorite kills from horror movies, I believe, is their, uh, is their subject matter. So come out to the GalaxyCon and the Richmond Convention Center February 28th to March 1st, and enjoy some Geeks Under the Influence live. It's free with uh, paid admission. Find more information at GUIPodcast.com or any of our social medias. We will see you there. So that's our uh, serious take on this. Yes. Um, our not-so-serious take, our r- 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 remix, yes. I, I don't think we need to spend as much time really getting into the nuances of the characters because this is <clears throat> uh, th- this is a choice that will probably never end up happening um, and no, shouldn't in all likelihood. Although mine, I'm interested to see my version maybe telling the OK Corral story, but not necessarily a remake of Tombstone. But right. I, I just... It, would be super fun to see this version yeah, and yeah, uh, not that it will ever happen. But um for your plot overview for your remixed, what is your uh, tonal changes?
2: Okay, here it is. Um is. I'm putting this in sort of a post-apocalyptic scenario. That's a big surprise coming from you. Yeah. You know know. That you went post-apocalyptic. I know. Yeah. So what I did is I set this in 2076 in uh, a, post-apocalyptic uh situation where who knows what happened could be nuclear war could be a a global famine could be you know some kind of a virus but population has been decimated and this is going to be set in uh the giant ghost town ghost city of detroit okay okay so it's not you know, traditionally a Western and a little tiny like, you know, podunk, you know, yeah. town, you know. So there's, you know, there's more space, you know, there's more, you know, crumbling infrastructure. Sure. You know, some years from now. But yeah, that's where it's set some years in the future. Twenty five years, whatever. Yeah. Um,
0: the amount of time it'll take for the entire infrastructure of the United States to fall completely apart.
2: Yeah, well I mean it's it's on its way. It's on its way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean
0: you might be overshooting for twenty five years. Like yeah, it
2: could be maybe. Like fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Could be. Yeah. But uh yeah, that's kinda where I like just drop my anchor. Okay. like, all right, that's where it's gonna be. So that's kinda like the notion. So I, I picked the director, uh, mm-hmm. Lee Wannell, who uh directed Upgrade. Oh, yes. Which was fucking awesome. Epic. I
0: saw the trailer and knew it was going to be at least some fun. Yes. But that was amazing. Very well done cyberpunk movie.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, uh, I want to mention very briefly, just to rewind. um, I did pick a cinematographer to go with each of the directors to kind of like, you know, uh, jump, you know, piggyback. On, on my vision. Okay. So for my serious, very, very briefly, uh, Robert Richardson, who actually was the cinematographer in uh, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, okay. Platoon, Natural Born Killers, Django Unchained. Okay. He would be my serious. He worked with Tarantino. I didn't want to pick Tarantino. It was too obvious. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right. Sorry for the aside. Uh, the cinematographer that I wanted to pick for... Uh, my non-serious with Lee Wannell is Roger Deakins who did Blade Runner 2049. Okay, that's where I knew the name from, yeah. True Grit, Assassination of Jesse James, Oh Brother, We're Out There, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. But the biggest thing, like obviously he's done like some like, you know, Western-ish stuff, but where I really got the focus for that, the look of this movie the las vegas sequence in blade runner 2049 sure that sort of oranged out hazy you know wasteland okay that's kind of what i want to put over detroit okay (laughs) okay so that that's my vision anyway uh i absolutely love lee Wannell's uh upgrade i love that movie so so hardcore yeah it is so much fun, like, as an action, like, cyberpunk movie. Fucking amazing. Well, also,
0: the the choices of how the main character's body moved during that movie was brilliant. Where you saw oh, yeah. him reacting to what his body was doing with surprise when it was happening. Oh, in yeah. In such a beautiful
2: way. If you haven't seen Upgrade, go watch it. It's awesome. Absolutely. I freaking, like, clapped after I saw that movie.
0: I was sitting there like a little kid in a candy store just like clapping while I'm watching the movie.
2: Yeah, no, I had so to see I had to see it a second time. Yeah. Like straight up. I'll start with Wider. Uh this is where I kind of changed things up. Okay. Okay. I I went with um Chihuatel for Okay. Okay. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. He's amazing. He was in Serenity, he was in Red Belt, 12 he, Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave. He's in it outstanding actor he is he can bring everything all the resonance all the drama from that wider should have the maturity everything he's got it okay boom doc holiday sam rockwell wow oh wow oh, why did
0: that's a good choice even for a serious version of it because it's sam rockwell he can oh yeah 100 percent deliver oh yeah yeah damn Oh, that's a good choice. He would
2: destroy in that role. He
0: would absolutely have so much fun in it too. He
2: would destroy, absolutely destroy. Um, uh, for my curly bill, I actually went with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. I mean, all you need to know about
0: apocalyptic Wild Bill.
2: All you need to know about Michael Keaton
0: or Curly Bill, yeah. Sorry. Curly Bill, yeah. sorry. Uh,
2: Batman, Beetlejuice. You know his recent dramatic turns in Birdman. He can deliver. Yeah, he can deliver every element of that. You know, the sass, the sarcasm, the over-the-topness. He's got it. Okay, he can do it. I, I'm signing off on that. Yeah. Um, for my Johnny Ringo, I went with a actor named. All right, let me make sure I get this right. David Dastmalchian. Okay. Okay. Um, he is kind of a character actor uh most recently had a a supporting role in the tv show reprisal
0: which i've been dying to see i need to watch that yeah uh
2: he played one of the three river phoenixes he's fucking amazing uh he was in the ant-man movies as the russian roommate
0: okay yeah okay
2: uh, he's been in a number of things. He was actually at a small, a very small role in Blade Runner twenty forty nine as like the um coroner, or the the guy who got killed. Oh, by, sure, yeah, yeah. Anyway, very recogni- recognizable face, but his role in Reprisal completely informs this decision. Okay, he is outstanding. He is he can play psychotic. He can play over the top. I'm all over it. Okay, so that's my Johnny Ringo. Uh, My Virgil, Virgil Earp, and this is uh, kind of gender-bending here. I went with Gina Torres.
0: Oh, I love her so much. Serenity Firefly. Yeah. Come on. Not even mad. Never mind Serenity Firefly. What about Cleopatra 2020?
2: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's amazing. She is so hardcore. Is it 2029?
0: Or is it twenty twenty? I forget. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No one should remember that show anyway. Probably not. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, I might have to own it at one point. But Maybe whatever. Yeah. Uh no, she's she's outstanding. Uh she can play Wise. She can play, you know, Smooth Talking.
0: What she's show is pretty- she on now? I think it's Revenge that she's on now.
2: Is she? Or
0: or it's Revenge or how to get away with murder. I can't remember. But yeah, she's on one of those shows. I don't know. Yeah.
2: All right. So for the younger the younger brother, Morgan Earp. Also gender bending, I went with Tessa Thompson. I uh, love her too. Valkyrie, Valkyrie. from the MCU. Well, and, and any role she's played in recent
0: years, you know, once she really became a name. Right. She's knocking it out of the park. Oh, dude, sorry to bother you. Oh my god, she was so good in that Westworld. Westworld is incredible.
2: Uh she was in Annihilation too. She was yep. good in that. Yeah, no, she kills it. And it'd be super sad to see her die, but she'll probably have to. Yeah. Um, and then my final is, uh, the Josephine Marcus, the wider love interest. I went with Eva green,
0: Eva green. Yes. Uh, from any dreadful, yes. uh, from, Oh God, a million other things. The dreamers. Yep.
2: Uh, yeah, no, she's just, what can I say? I mean, she's just one of those images on screen that is just iconic. Well, her gaze is haunting. It is. She and she
0: has a way of just like fully just needling you with her stare
2: she's distressingly beautiful yeah yeah it's it's tough
0: (laughs) yeah hard life (laughs) looking at Eva Green all the time but yeah yeah and uh, so that's your your casting there that's my casting. all right I uh, I like that every almost every time you're on you make it post apocalyptic.
2: <laughs> well, I had to this time. Yeah, no, I understand. I just, just wanted to take it out of the like the old West. It makes it a lot easier. Into the new West. I kind of did it a
0: cheat as well. Because yeah. that's a cheat. It's totally a cheat. Yeah. I also did a cheat. So I didn't have to worry about necessarily like the the timelines or like the races of the characters or anything like that. And just do whatever the fuck I wanted to. And uh this is set in the same time period okay but i'm giving it that uh that 300 treatment of uh it being like highly stylized like comic book style approach to the tombstone story
2: okay all right
0: um so it basically you can cast whoever the fuck you want in these roles it's not based in reality at all uh this is just a fun comic book version of tombstone and i have uh, the team of frank miller and robert rodriguez coming in reprising their oh. directing duo from Sin City to do Tombstone.
2: Is it going to be in black and
0: white? Um, there's going to be moments in black and white. There's going to be moments that are in that, like, that, like, yellow, like, yellow haze, like you are talking about. That nice. you know, Just the, the full-on, like, colorized yeah. kind of tone <laughs> with different, different scenes, different parts of the world having different kind of, like, shades on, like, a soft sepia tone kind of deal. I like it. Yeah. So... Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez, uh, directing a Tombstone movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, first up is Wyatt Earp. And uh, Robert Rodriguez is actually very good friends with this actor. Uh, They ride motorcycles together. And I think he would be a lot of fun in a comic book version of it. Norman Reedus as Wyatt Earp. Oh, nice. I think it would be super fun to see what he could do there. And he always looks wet. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why he just always looks wet. And I'd be interested to see what, you know, Daryl. Uh, from The uh, from the Walking Dead could do in, okay. in, in, uh, right. in Toonstone. It. Then Virgil, I uh, wanted, you know, older actor for sure, um, and one that maybe has seen a lot of shit. And I haven't seen what his face looks like recently with all the plastic surgery. I know the last time I saw it, it didn't look great. So we'll see what he looks like. Uh, it might be terrifying, but uh, Mickey Rourke as yes. Virgil. <laughs> yes! Um, I, I love Mickey Rourke. I am upset about his face now, but yeah, yeah.
2: It's, a, it's a rough
0: go. It is a rough go, but he's an incredible actor. I would love to see what he could do with Virgil's character in, yeah. in the comic book sense. He just you know? had
2: to get into boxing. Yeah. And like
0: smash his face all up. Yep. Then we got Morgan. Morgan was tough. I This is an actor that has been in a lot of Robert Rodriguez films, and it, it was kind of like, yeah, I had to put him in somewhere for it to fit. And it was also kind of fuck it. You know, these are the three badasses. So you got Norman Reedus, Mickey Rourke and Bruce Willis as, uh, as Morgan. Uh, and because fuck ages, ages don't even matter either. Yeah. yeah whatever. Uh, as the three brothers that are bringing justice to this town <laughs> and to help him out is Doc holiday mm-hmm. played by Freddie Rodriguez. Oh, <laughs> yes. Wise is Freddie Rodriguez, five <laughs> foot two, I think. Freddie Rodriguez as Doc
2: Holiday. Nice.
0: And oh, okay. You kind of play with it a little bit that he's not one of the brothers. He's a, a friend of Wyatt's primarily that isn't necessarily trusted by the others. He's kind of a pistolero type character, and uh, and he's this tiny dude that's got a little bit of a Napoleon complex, but he's also the best shooting, rootin' tootin' shooting dude in the, in this town. <laughs>
2: i am thinking of, is Martin Short from fucking Three Amigas right now?
0: (laughs) A little bit. That is kind of his role in this. Yeah. Uh, Then we go on to uh, to Curly Bill, where I had Ron Perlman in my serious version. For Curly Bill in the Robert Rodriguez-Frank Miller version, no better than Benicio del Toro. Yes. Uh, And that also informs the tone. Not only are we going with kind of a comic book uh, approach to this, but i also want it to be kind of an anti-hero story where you're actually kind of following the cowboys as opposed to the herps nice. and it's more of like this is a lawless town and the only the only thing that holds it all together is the cowboys that have been there to kind of keep it in shape and prevent it from falling <laughs> apart and then here comes these like three good old boys you know um, coming in trying to like put their own their own claim to this town and they're not going to let them and you so the uh the cowboys are m- mostly Mexican. <laughs> Not entirely, but um th- yeah that are are coming in being like, yo, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like,
2: I was actually looking at him for a curly bill option. Yeah. Then I was like, okay, wait, no. Michael Keaton.
0: Yeah. see <laughs> Del Toro, he has so much fun with his choices for roles, the stutter from Last Jedi or just like it, just him in general, him as the uh, collector in the Marvel movies. Dude, him and the usual suspects. Usual suspects? I'll
2: flip you for real. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I would love to see what he would do with Curly Bill. Oh, yeah. And then helping him out, his his uh, right-hand man, his gunman, Johnny Ringo, of course, played by Danny Trejo. Oh. Just yes. shirtless with a vest and then just one of those flat cowboy hats. Yep. <laughs> Danny Trejo. Yep. He could do it. Oh, absolutely. I'm a Mexican, cabron, and boom, 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 boom. Done. Yep. Done. And then, uh, of course, Ike Clanton uh, is uh, the whiny type or the dude that talks a big game but doesn't really do a whole lot. And uh, so I decided to pull in somebody from Robert Rodriguez's world and also one of my personal favorite uh, actors slash special effects gurus, Tom Savini,
1: <laughs>
0: Ike Clanton. And fuck it, give him this, this the uh, sex machine um uh, gun crotch crotch uh, gun crotch gun yeah why not (laughs) fuck it it's a rubber rodriguez frank miller vehicle yes so totally and uh, yeah just do it full on just like borderline grindhouse uh, like super high contrast uh, sepia toned or black and white at different scenes like just go full on make it a comic book absolutely and I feel like even though this is my remix funny version that would be a different enough approach to it that you could mm-hmm. almost get away with it, yes. because it wouldn't be even a note of the original. Absolutely. And so no no one would claim that you're trying to like cash in on like just the name or anything like that. You're making your own thing for yes. sure. So yeah, that's yeah. uh that's my Frank Miller Robert Rodriguez comic booky Tombstone movie.
2: Hell yeah yeah. I feel like I I have to quantify like you know my non serious one set in the future in this like sort of wasteland Detroit you know it's gonna be kind of gang warfare and then our good characters the Herps yeah. and and the Doc are there to you know kind of you know sort of take control in a sense yeah you know but it I I think it'd be fun. It would be Fuck super it. fun. Yeah. And
0: I think there's room for, not maybe our serious versions, that's where it goes into that, that it doesn't need to be remade, really. Yeah. But our funny versions, I think there's room in the world for that interpretation. I think so.
2: Yeah. I do.
0: Because it's far enough away from the original. Yes. Yeah. That it's, yeah. it's not, it's giving enough distance that it's honoring the original by not trying to do the original. Absolutely. So now we've got mashups and we've got a few that we want to hit on real quick okay. before getting into our trailers. Uh, first one up is from our friend Jack. Who's been on um, several of the shows on the network? Oh yeah, suggested we mash up Tombstone with Wild Wild West. Whoa! Yes, the uh, abysmal pseudo steampunk western yeah, starring uh, Will Smith
2: steampunk universe.
0: So bad that even the steampunk crowd does not adopt it. <laughs> There's no other steampunk movies besides Steamboy, and they're like, no, I will
2: not take that movie. Yeah, no, it's animes and. That's about it. That's about it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't picture uh, Doc Holliday with two Gatling guns on his arms, like, (laughs) steam-powered.
0: No, what it would be is, I think the Earps would be just the old-school pistol-whipping, you know, new sheriffs in town, and the cowboys are the ones that have all the weird contraptions that they're Mm. trying to take over the town with, so they got got to use good old-fashioned grit against the oncoming technology, and you could have some, I don't know, something about, like, the dangers of modernization in the Old West, or something, as some, like,
2: parable. But you would have to flip the script, because the Cowboys would win, because they have Gatling guns.
0: Well, Smith didn't have no Gatling gun.
2: Yeah, but he was the good guy.
0: Yeah, so you got the White Earp and Company as the good guys, with no Gatling guns, eh. taken on, as the underdogs, these rootin' tootin' uh, robotin' <laughs> Cowboys. Dudes that have an iron giant. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Instead of saying Superman before he flies off to explode, he just says, like, Clint Eastwood, and then just goes off.
2: <laughs> they have a World War One tank, like, you know, 50 years to...
0: <laughs> Although I would love to see Doc Holliday in a giant super mech, like steam-powered super mech, just screaming, I'm your Huckleberry! And just... That would be a lot of fun. That would be super fun. So yeah, uh, Battle Mech Steampunk. That's a good uh, one. Tombstone. Then Kron suggested, and I'm curious how we're going to do this, Jurassic Park. Okay. All I could think maybe is that
2: they- They find the new world, and then they are trying to settle their differences amongst a bunch of dinosaurs? Maybe- there's mining going
0: on in the town for oh, gold and stuff, and they break into like a cavernous area that has dinosaurs. Yeah. From the old day. Yes. And then, and then Wyatt decides to maybe create a park for no Virgil. <laughs> Virgil, because he's the old one, decides yeah. to make a park to like you know this is really put Tombstone on the map, and then <laughs> chaos ensues.
2: Yeah. Yeah. True.
0: Because the cowboys, the cowboys end up breaking the gates open, and there's dinosaurs everywhere. Yeah, and cowboys and dinosaurs.
2: That uh, under earth world escapes up. Yeah, yeah. Your your forty five, your Colt forty five is not going to do much against a freaking T Rex
0: or a Stegosaurus. Yeah, or that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Maybe a Compy. <laughs> you could take out a Compy
0: with uh your forty five. <laughs> uh, last one is Murphy. Suggested that we, uh, Murphy Lawless suggested we mash it up with, and this may be your post-apocalyptic is the best way to go with this, Tank Girl. Yeah. Because that could be just the outside area, exactly. like, like Mega City in, uh, in Judge Dredd. You know, yes. just like wasteland outside of the city of Detroit where your thing takes place, and that's just Tank Girl right. land.
2: The whole notion of, like, the post-apocalyptic idea, you know, it's almost like a western in a lot of ways, yeah. Which is why I went with it because there's far less people for whatever reason, whether it was nuclear war or virus, whatever. We'll find matter. out in a few years. Exactly. Yeah. We we actually will. <laughs> we will. Yeah. You know.
0: Right now, right now, uh, a dark horse candidate is that coronavirus that's uh, yeah now been officially called a global pandemic. So. It's
2: happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So it goes. So that's fun. Great. Uh, yeah, no, it's um, you know, tank girls are perfect, yep, you know, sort of allegory to that whole kind of western thing because you had you know these bands of people that were localized just like Mad Max, mm-hmm. they were in their own place, you had warlords and you had you know gangs and whatnot going on, you know, it wasn't so globalized, you know right now we have civilized cities, you know, yeah, a- as we say. You know, we have, you know, internet everywhere, et cetera. When all that shit falls away, it's going to be chaos. Yep. You know, and if, if you know, 90% of the fo- uh, the population dies off, it's going to be nuts. Infrastructure is going to die. Nobody can run power. Nobody yep. can run water. You know, like, it's going to be crazy. You're, you would need
0: someone like, I don't know, Malcolm McDowell to come in and, and get, the ability to have water and power.
2: Yes, enslave a bunch of kangaroo men. Yes, yes. I think that's the
0: just Doc Holiday and the kangaroo men versus Malcolm McDowell.
2: I would read that graphic novel <laughs> in a minute. I
0: right, get on an IDW. <laughs> Give us goddamn right, old Tombstone. Crossover. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, so those are our mashups. Now we come to the point in the episode where we do our trailers. So I'm definitely doing my Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez. So I get to do the like Grindhouse voice for yes. mine. Uh, are you going to be doing your serious or your funny?
2: I'm going to do my my uh, non serious, my Remix. post apocalyptic, you know, sort of situation. I I can't, in good conscience, tr- really try to propose a serious.
0: I completely understand. So so let me cue up the music and we'll get the trailer started.
1: in the near future a band of ne'er-do-wells have found themselves in the broken down wastelands of detroit a ghost town wyatt jackson and his two siblings virginia jackson and morgan jackson are trying to make a better life for themselves former Law enforcement or officers have come upon the scourge of a gang called the Cowboys. Curly Bill and Johnny Ringo lead this gang. They're murderers. They're rapists. They duel and... <laughs> they're fighting for what's right. <laughs> Wyatt Jackson, played by Chiwetel and His sisters, Virginia Jackson, by, played by Gina Torres, and Morgan Jackson, played by Tessa Thompson, battle against Curly Bill's Michael Keaton and Johnny Ringo, played by David Destemolchuk. Meanwhile, Wyatt Jackson, the love interest, Played by Eva Green. They fight for what's right. Revenge. Love. Everything. <laughs> Directed by Lee Wen, director of Upgrade. Check it out in 2020. <laughs>
0: All right, yeah, kind of a risk not mentioning the name of the movie during your trailer, but uh, oh, I, I think it might, I might, it might uh, work out for you. <laughs> I totally forgot. That's okay.
2: <laughs> no, you can make fun of me for that. Yeah, no, That's no, great. you're good. Um, not that mine's going to be any better. Uh,
0: tombstone, Tombstone. So, yeah. All right, so uh, my turn to make a fool out of myself. I'm doing the uh, Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez version of, uh, of Tombstone. Nice. Welcome
1: to the Old West, where the only thing keeping a man from the grave is the quickness of his gun. Welcome, the Earp family, settling down in Tombstone, trying to make a new living for themselves when they come across the Cowboys. Headed up by Curly Bill, played by Benicio Del Toro, and his right-hand man, Johnny Ringo, played by Danny Trejo, the Cowboys are out for blood, and the only thing stopping them are the Earps. This summer, follow Wider, played by Norman Reedus, and his brothers Virgil, played by Mickey Rourke, and Morgan, played by Bruce Willis, as they tear up the town and take down some cowboys. Giddy up and make your way to Tombstone this summer.
0: Okay. All right. I did the voice okay.
2: Oh, the, no, the no. Yours voice. was way better than mine. <laughs> and as you mentioned... I totally fucking actually forgot to say the name of the, <laughs> the, movie, name of the movie in my trailer. <laughs> I think I Whoops. wish, <laughs> I wish
0: some movies would actually be ballsy enough to do that in their trailers. like coming this summer and just not like, okay, what, what's the, what's the movie though? What's the movie? What's the movie?
2: Is there at least a title screen? No title screen.
0: Nothing. Oh, okay, cool. Geez. Well, I'm interested, but I guess that yeah. one movie like oh, the one without the title. Yeah, that one. Okay. That's <laughs> In theater three. Um, so yeah, that is our, our trailers and our, uh, crazy mashups and castings for our versions of Tombstone yes again we're not at all suggesting it should ever be remade but if it would be remade these are some of our ideas if you have ideas hit us up at uh, our email at GeeksOnTheInfluence at gmail.com uh, just put smack my pitch up in the or the subject line so we know who you're talking to on the network uh, you can hit up the voicemail or text line at 804-505-4484 that's 804-505-4GUI Or uh, hit us up on our social media. All the links to our social media and more is at gui Podcast.com. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, all the coolness. And check out the other shows on the network. We have 10 shows available on the Geeks Under the Influence Network, uh, some of which have me on it, some of which have our guest Groots on on the show. Yes! Always a good time and all very geek-centric, so check those out. We'll see you next time for another episode of Smack My Pitch Up. Thank you so much for listening. And you just got pitch-smacked.
1: GUIPODCAST.COM <laughs>